0: Praise the Lord, amen. Turn, if you would, to the 11th chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, as we continue through uh, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. So we think this morning about the topic, the rest for the worn out. Maybe you're here this morning and you just wore slap out. This is for you, Amen. Rest for the worn out. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Someone asked me this week, preacher, why do you always say, I know why you say inerrant. I know why you say inspired and all of that. Why do you say all-sufficient? One of the great fights in the Southern Baptist Convention right now, It'll be. it won't be decided in in the summer because Southern Baptists never decide anything. We just pass resolutions that don't mean anything. But one of the greatest uh, uh, situations in our convention right now is people would like and to for us to look at the world's way of looking at people, how we're going to socially accept people, how we're going to Look at this thing of slavery and look at this thing of ethnicity and look at all of these things. And I want to tell you something. This word contains everything we need without going outside in the world to get a thing. And there are folk in the progressive movement that want to say, hey, let's do this and infiltrate it into our church. This word is all sufficient right here. You'll never have anything in your life that will not be decided right here in this word if you'll look at it. I won't charge you for that. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. The Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, thank you today how we've been blessed to sing these songs and lift up our hearts to you. What a friend we have in Jesus. Lord, help us never to forget that. Lord, as we've prayed and we've given our offerings and we've heard testimony, and Lord, all of it is honored and glorified you. Would you continue through the power of your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts today, Lord? Don't let us leave here the same way we came in. Speak, Lord Jesus, and oh God, may we say yes to whatever you ask us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We're living in a society today where folk are wore out. They're frustrated, discouraged, ready to give up, run out of gas, no energy level. I just want to remind you that for the average adult, your heart beats 103,689 times a day. Your blood travels 168 million miles. You breathe 23,040 times. You inhale 438 cubic feet of air. Average American, some of us a little higher than this, but you eat three and one quarter pounds of food a day. <laughs> you drink three quarts of liquid. You lose a pound of waste. See, that's what the problem is. You're eating three and a quarter pounds. And <laughs> 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 you speak 25,000 words. You move 750 muscles. And you exercise 7 million brain cells. No wonder you're worn out at the end of the day. My soul, that's every day. Physical fatigue, mental fatigue, emotional fatigue, spiritual fatigue. And the only remedy for physical fatigue is sleep. I'll never forget. Dr. Ed Young told us many, many, many years ago that sometimes the most spiritual thing we could do as a preacher was go home and take a nap. When you uh, are, are sleepy and uh, you, your nerves are on edge, you say things you don't need to say, best thing you do, go home, take a nap. Uh, but the only remedy for the other kind of these fatigues is rest. And there's a difference between sleep and rest. You can go to a drugstore and buy you some medicine that will put you to sleep. You can go to sleep. But I want to tell you, it won't buy rest. You see, it won't buy the kind of rest you need for your heart and your soul and your mind. Sometimes in our days today, folk are getting so weary, they're fighting for their marriage, and they finally just give up and check out. They're so weary fighting the financial pressures of life that you just let the bills go unpaid and refuse to answer the phone calls, and they're so tired and weary even some are ending their life we're messed up because we're stressed out. And we've gone about as far as we can go. We've carried about as much as we can bear, and we've taken on as much as we can stand. I read about that guy. I could insert the name Micah Huckabee. Is Micah in here or is he with children? He's in children's? He's an usher? Okay, he's around here somewhere. We won't insert his name then if he's not in here. Okay. But there was a guy that bought some trucks uh, for a transport service. And he was doing very well and a guy hired him to transport some chickens. And so he had the chickens loaded on the truck. He'd drive down the road and he'd stop about every five miles, take a baseball bat out and beat on the side of the truck. He'd get back in his truck, go on four or five miles. He'd stop, he'd get that baseball bat out, beat on the side of the truck. The car behind him just couldn't stand it no more. Pulled up beside him and said, Sir, why are you beating on the side of your truck? And He said, Well, with a weary looking face. He said, I've got a half ton pickup and I've got a ton of chickens and i got to keep half of them in the air all the time. <laughs> Have you ever been like that where you think you got to keep half of them in the air all the time? I mean, you're just beating on the side of it just trying to keep everything up and going, overwhelmed. Jesus is talking to people here who are laboring and are heavy laden. That word labor is used to describe the exhaustion of a soldier in battle or a messenger who's run many miles to deliver his message. I don't, uh, well, I'll go ahead and tell you anyway. You know, he's got some bad language in it. Uh, but if you've not seen 1917, you ought to go see that thing. Uh, it's a sol- We're talking about a soldier just like that who's run, he's weary, he is worn out, he is at the end of his rope there. That's what he's talking about, those who labor. The second word here pictures a ship loaded with so much weight that it's sinking or an animal that has so much weight that it's collapsing. In other words, what Jesus is doing He's talking to people who are tired and they can't go any further. They're burdened and they can't take any more. Is anybody in the house like that this morning? You're wore out, you're frustrated, you're tired, and you don't know if you can take any more. If you're tired of living on edge, tired of a life that's nothing more than day after day after day, the same old routine, we got some good news for you this morning. Three things here, and I'm through. Number one, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He said, come unto me. He invites everyone. I'm thankful this morning that this is a whosoever will church. Not everybody like that, and that's fine. That's fine. Not everybody likes old people. We love old people here. You saw this week where a church shut down, run all the old people off. Bring them over here. We love old people. We love babies, we love children, we love all of them. I believe God didn't have a target group. I believe he loved the whole world. Amen. And we've got to, he invites everyone. He says, no man can know the Father unless the Son willeth to reveal himself to him. He wills us to come, but it's God's will, none perish, but all come to life. He knew that not everybody would come. He knew that not everybody would feel the need for a Savior. So he is addressing those who are laboring and are heavy laden. Now, uh, there are a lot of folk in this world today who are filled with the cares of life, some with pain, some with sickness. He invites everyone to come. He's not chosen one group. He invites everyone. Come unto me, he said. And then secondly, he bids them to come to himself. He didn't say come to church. He didn't say come to the temple. He didn't say come to religion. He didn't say come to good deeds. He didn't say come to seminary. He didn't say come to school. He said come unto me and I'll give you rest. <laughs> See, you're not going to find rest anywhere except in Jesus. Jesus. Come unto me. He bids us to come to him. Take all of these burdens that are weighing you down and beating you up and just come into the presence of Jesus. Woo, have mercy. Now that's where a lot of people miss it because a lot of people who are tired, burned out, frustrated, stressed out, can't find any rest, they keep looking in the wrong places. You see, people try to Solve their problems by partying. So they drink, they do drugs, they hop from bed to bed, thrill to thrill, but rest don't ever come. People try to just work harder. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to burn them into that oil. I'm going to do more than I've ever done before. I'm going to reach up. I'm going to climb the ladder. They do everything they know how to do it. Rest still don't come. People think money is the answer. If it just had enough money, to do what I wanted to do, if I just had enough money to go where I wanted to go, it takes some people a lifetime to realize that not only is money not the answer, in many cases, money is part of the problem. Money can buy a lot of things. It can buy a house, but it can't buy home. It can buy sex, but it can't buy love. It can buy influence, but it can't buy friendship. It can buy just about anything except happiness. It can take you just about anywhere you want to go except heaven. Money won't do that. And Jesus says, when you've tried everything else and you've run out of options and there's nothing else left, he said, turn to me. When you've looked everywhere else and you still haven't found what you're looking for, he's saying, why don't you look to me? When you've tried everything else and you're asking the question, how's this working out for you? And you're honest and say it's not. I think he's saying, try me. I'm the one and the only one that can give you rest, not in your body, but in your soul. And, folks, that's where we need rest this morning, in our soul. There is a need of effort in the spiritual life. We can't just sit still. They've got to come. The prodigal son would have never been restored to his father if he had just sat still. He had to get up and go. Isaiah says it like this in verse one of chapter eighteen: "Come now, let us reason together," saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And then in Isaiah fifty-five: "Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters." He that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat, yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And then in that wonderful book of Revelation, the Spirit and the bride in chapter 22 say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come. Let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Jesus is saying this morning, to a congregation that's worn out, frustrated, living on the edge. Come unto me. Come unto me. But he not only says come, he goes on to say you got to live for Jesus. You see, after you come to Jesus, there's something you got to take from Jesus. Look at verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Wow. Take my yoke upon you. Now frankly, that doesn't sound really appealing. Because we know what a yoke is, That's a wooden uh, bar that's made to fit around the neck and the shoulders of an ox, and the farmer would take that uh, yoke and put on there, and he could guide that ox to go anywhere he wanted to go. He could control him. Now, the reason why Jesus used the yoke is the yoke is a symbol of submission. Mm, you, you, you you didn't get that. You heard it, but you didn't get it. The yoke is a symbol of submission. One of the greatest problems we've got in our Christian life, we have refused to submit to anybody. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I live south of the Mason-Dixon line. I drink my iced tea out of a jar, and you ain't going to tell me what to do. Well, Jesus is. You can get over it, sir. Nobody I see a problem. Nobody wants to be under anybody's yoke. They want to be free. We don't want to be free to do what we want to do. We want to do it. The second problem is we don't want to be pulling somebody else's burden. My soul, we've got enough burdens of our own. And yet, that's what he's saying. Now listen, he goes on. Ooh, aren't you thankful? Verse 30 is in there. You take his yoke, he said, upon you. And look at verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, hallelujah. I know you're all Baptists because nobody's shouting. He said, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My yoke is easy. That means it's excellent. It's good. It's perfectly suited for its purpose. And that's why Jesus said, my burden is light. He's telling us here, you want to be free? Freedom's not being out of control. And freedom's not being under nobody's control. Freedom is being under the right control. The right control. The same thing is true in life. You know, the older you get, the more you realize that we're in a war. Now nobody wants to be in a war. I mean, we all are would rather love than fight. But the bottom line is the devil is not going to let you do that. We're in a war. And it's not going to quit until Jesus comes again. So, so you've got to battle and battle and battle. And you're not going to have any rest or no peace until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and let him fight the battles for you. William Booth, foundation of the salvation, the founder of the Salvation Army, was one of the most contented, joyful, happy Satisfied man, he's. I mean, people said we could. All this thing could be falling apart, and William Booth just be there sitting there smiling. Just, well, you know, it is what it is. Praise the Lord, you know. Just standing with God, just, just no, no stress. No matter how stressful life would get, everybody around him was out of touch, and he's just perfect peace. And so finally, somebody asked him, said, "Mr. Booth, how can you be so at rest?" We're all running around it like chickens with our heads cut off, and you're just perfect rest. This is what he said. He said, sir, because I never say no to the Lord. Hmm. Woo! I had to back up. I've said no to the Lord many times. Which, can you imagine what kind of life we'd be living if we never said no to the Lord? Because he wants our best. He... <laughs> he not mm, see we think we know what somebody's thinking we don't know what nobody's thinking that's what the devil's put in our mind he knows what somebody's thinking but we don't know that if we never say no to the Lord he knows how to guide us where we need to go who we need to be around he, he, that's why his yoke is easy he was a man who had found the right master. Jesus goes on to say, I'm gentle in verse 29. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest under your souls. Listen to me this morning. Jesus is not some hard task master. People ask me all the time, how do I know the will of God for my life? I want to serve the Lord. Well, I want to tell you something I believe. I believe that the Lord loves you enough that he's gifted you, and he wants you to serve him in the ways that he's gifted you. In other words, uh, if you're timid, I don't think he gifted you and wants you to be an usher. You say, well, I'll be an usher, but I tell you what, I don't want to. Hello, welcome. <laughs> no, that's not, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. He'll put you in places you'll enjoy life. You ever notice this choir? Not all of them. There are a couple of crankheads up there. But I'm telling you, for the most part, those folk love to sing. I mean, we come in this place knowing they love to sing because God's gifted them that way. He's not a hard taskmaster. He's not a hard shepherd that beats his sheep. He's a loving shepherd. And the only places that he'll ever lead you are the places that are best for us. You come unto Jesus, he said, and then you live for Jesus. And then this third thing, you learn from Jesus. (laughs) You learn. He said, you come and you live, and he said, learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. The amazing thing is when you go to school with Jesus, he not only is the teacher, he's the subject also. (laughs) And when you got the subject teaching the class, you got first class. I mean, son, you don't get no better than that. There's nothing hearsay when you come to Jesus. It's exactly what he said. Nobody faced more stress than our Lord did. Nobody was under more pressure than our Lord did. Nobody carried a heavier burden. And I believe he's telling us now, you watch how I did it. You watch. Look how I handled difficult people. Watch how I managed the troubling circumstances. And We think we carry a heavy load? I'm meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest under your souls. I thought, where, where would I go to find rest? Well, it sure wouldn't be with those who have great riches. Somebody said money isn't everything. Don't let anybody tell you it is. There are other things stocks, bonds, traveler's checks, drafts, mutual funds, and treasury bills. <laughs> Well, glory. Two fellows were talking, and he said, I can prove to you money doesn't bring happiness. He said, how would you prove? He said, well, a guy who's got $40 million is no happier than a guy who's got $37 million. (laughs) Amen? Money cannot bring you happiness. If you want to learn what you really have, what your possessions really are, you measure up everything you've got in your life that money cannot buy. And that someone can't take away, and that's what you really have. That's your real treasure. That's your real treasure. Uh, some of the richest people that I know, which is not, but I know some of them that are miserable. They're searching in life. They're miserable. Some of the poorest people I know don't have a dime, and they—I guarantee you—they're praising the Lord. They're shouting. They're praying. They're walking with God. Wow. You remember in the 12th chapter of the book of Luke, there was a man who thought he was going to increase because he had big barns and had all this stuff. What am I going to do? Oh, no, I'm not giving it to building for eternity. No, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns. I'm going to increase what I've got. Jesus said, Thou fool, your soul's going to be required of thee tonight. And then whose is all this going to be? I will to tell you, we've got to be careful now. I wouldn't go to people who had great riches if I wanted rest. I wouldn't go to people who were pleasure seekers. You get a few hours of enjoyment. Now, I want to tell you, if you're here, young people, this morning, it's a blatant lie. To tell you that sin is not fun. Sin is fun. I don't care. You, you say, Don't tell my kids that. You need to tell them the truth. Sin is fun. Stealing watermelons was fun. <laughs> Digging the rock salt out of your back end was not that much fun. <laughs> sin is fun, but it only lasts for a season. Listen to me, it won't last forever. It won't last very long. Maybe a few hours. You drink the cup of pleasure, and then here comes the pain. Solomon tried all of that, and he finally ends up saying, All is vanity. Vanity of vanity. It's all useless. Then I wouldn't go to people living in sin. <laughs> it blows my mind at the people we ask for advice. And we know they're openly living in sin and we want their advice? Come on now. Mm. The scripture says that the wicked are like the troubled sea that cannot rest. Man had not had any rest since Adam and Eve was on the face of the earth. And I got news for you. Not gonna have any until Jesus comes back. And then I wouldn't go to this world to find rest. We used to sing an old song brother Dale the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away I'll tell you what if you have got the blood of Jesus covering your sin you didn't get that from the world and the world not going to take it away from you there's rest only in Jesus a father and his two children were swimming off the coast of New Jersey this this uh, little illustration means a whole lot to me because Becky and I were in Acapulco years ago. And we, didn't, we were young, you know, crazy. And we, we didn't know Acapulco was a bay. There wasn't no waves in there. In fact, we got up the next morning, so help me. Two ships of the Mexican Navy were sitting there and there were pieces of toilet paper all over the, the whole bay. I said, well, I don't want to swim in this. So we went on down the beach farther where the ocean was and the waves were coming in. There were a lot of people. We found a spot where there wasn't nobody. We said, my goodness, isn't this wonderful? We're the only two here. We got out in there. We did not know anything about undertow or anything. And I want to tell you, with my hand raised. You can tell my wife, that's my wife. I thought we'd gone. They're going to find me somewhere between here and China. And I'd already told her, you, you just, she's a much better swimmer than I am. I said, babe, you save yourself. So that's it. Isn't that what I said? You save yourself. By the grace of God, we got back. I'm telling you, mm, this father and his two children were swimming. They got a, a little far off and the tide carried them out, swept away. And they saw they couldn't get back. The father was a strong swimmer. He had an 8-year-old boy and a 10-year-old little girl. The little girl was a better swimmer than the boy, so he told her, he said, Honey, all you got to do is float for a while, swim for a while, float for a while, swim for a while. Don't get frightened. Just float for a while, swim for a while. I'm going to take your brother in, and then I'm going to come back for you. But I'll be back. Don't worry. He took his little 8-year-old son in, got some help, Just a few minutes' time, there were boats everywhere. Four hours later, they found the little girl out there. She's still just floating, singing, having a good time. They got her in the boat. and They said, honey, you wasn't afraid? She said, no, I wasn't afraid. My daddy told me just float, swim, and I'll be back for you. And I knew he would. Listen to me this morning. Our heavenly father has told us we're going to go through trials and tribulations. But be of good cheer because I'm coming back. And if I'm coming back, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to carry you where I am. And we're going to be there forever. Woo. Amen. That little girl had come under the authority of her father. And what we need this morning is to come under the authority of the Heavenly Father. We don't need to bank on what the world tells us. We need to bank on what this book tells us. I love, if you heard Dr. Herb Revis, you know he loves those mysteries. And he said I would get reading those mysteries and I'd get so shook up and so excited. I'd just have to look over at the end. And, and, and see how it was. He said, as long as I knew how it ended, I could close and go back to where I was and I could be all right. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. We can go to the end of the book and we can see how it turns out. I'll tell you, in 1693, Thomas Shepard wrote these words, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? no there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. How happy are the saints above who once went sorrowing here but now they taste unmingled love and joy without a tear. The consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free and then go home my crown to wear for there's a crown for me. I want to tell you this morning, there's a crown for us. Don't get freaked out. Don't get anxious. Depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. Come unto Jesus. Live for Jesus. Learn of Jesus. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Psalm 52, and I'm through. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you that, Lord, all around us, the hustle and the bustle and all of the things that seem to be going wrong in this world, Oh, God, help us focus upon Jesus this morning. What a friend we've got in Jesus. I pray this morning. I'm talking to folk here this morning. What they need more than anything in this world is not a better job or not a better house or not a better car. What they need more than anything in this world is to come unto Jesus. There are folks in this place this morning that have an opportunity to be saved But the choice is theirs. they got to get up and come. Come unto Jesus. There are others in this church this morning. They need a church home. And I pray, Lord, whatever you've asked them to do. Lord, if you don't want them here, don't let them come here. But Father, if you've said, this is where I want them to put their hands to the plow and serve me, then God, help them not to say no. There are others in this place that Some daddies need to take a wife by the hand and say, we're going to go down and pray. We're going to trust the Lord. We're going to do it today. Others may need to get some kids in this place and say, look, I've not been the parent I ought to be. And we're going to leave all those cares at the altar. We're going to come unto Jesus. We're going to trust our Lord today. Father, today would you have your way in every life in this place? We'll praise you in the name of Jesus for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Brother Aaron leads us. You come right now.